Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. And when we talk about blasphemy, we usually think of it in terms of people blaspheming God. But the word really simply means evil speaking, speaking evil of people. And listen, we're living in a time where even among Christians, it's sort of like, it's like an unrestrained season almost where I'm just noticing Christians just feel free to speak evil about anybody. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Ephesians. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 25, through chapter 5, verse 2, in a message titled, Putting on the Old, Putting on the New. Now, here's Pastor Brian. Or they've got a bunch of employees, they never pay them, and then they skip town. This kind of stuff happens. This has happened over and over again. That's stealing. That's ripping people off. We're not to be doing that as God's people. We're not to be stealing. We're not to be taking advantage of people financially in any way. We're, We're to have total integrity in these kinds of things. God help us. Because, again, these are the things that Man, the world looks on and says, you know, why would I want to become a Christian? What's any different about Christians? They they rip people off all the time. And unfortunately, there's some truth to that. But let it never be the case with us. We can't control what other people do, but let it never be the case with us. And then he says, rather than stealing, as you previously did, Now you're to be working with your own hands that you can give to those in need. So what Christ does is he takes people from being takers and he makes them givers. That's how radical the transformation is. You you used to be in the business of ripping people off. Now God's got you in the business of blessing people, taking care of people, helping people out who are in need, people Uh, who are less fortunate. And you see, this is the kind of transformation that Paul's talking about. Years ago, I knew a man, it it didn't have to do with the subject of stealing, but just in in a more general sense, talking about the transformation. I knew a man, he was part of the church here for many years, and he was very interested in the things of the nation of Israel, the, the Jewish state, and had a great passion for Israel. And he was a sculptor. And he was able to make these amazing busts of uh, the different prime ministers of Israel and things. And, you know, so anyway, he just had this, this intense interest and passion in Jewish things. And so one day I just was curious and I asked him about that. I said, so are, are you Jewish? I mean, what, what's the connection here? And he said, oh, no, I'm not Jewish He said, but actually, before I was a Christian, I was very, very anti-Semitic. I I hated Jewish people, and I, you know, I went out of my way to express that. And he said, but when I came to Jesus, God completely changed my heart, and I I want the, the love that I have for them now to be equal to the animosity I had to them before, so I just want to give all that I can to show my support and all that. Think, wow, that's what happens when somebody comes to Christ. There's that kind of transformation that takes place. So you go from being a liar to a person who tells the truth. 
You go from being a person who's always angry and easily enraged to being a, a person who's not like that. You know, before I was a Christian, I, I was angry. I was angry about a lot of things. And I had bad habits as an angry person of breaking things. And it was bad because you break things, you got to pay for them to get them fixed. And, you know, I was too stupid to think about that before I put my fist through something. And then I realized, great, okay, now I got to repair this. And I used to fight all the time just because of that anger that was in me. But, you know, when I came to Christ, he just, he took that out of me. He, he just changed that. That's what he does. That's what he does for us. And that's what needs to be seen by the world and experienced by us as we are God's people together. He goes on and he says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. No corrupt word. Now, speech is the unique thing that we enjoy as human beings. This is the unique gift that God has given to us, the ability to speak. Did you know in an average lifetime, the average person will spend 10 to 12 years of their life speaking? Think about that. 10 to 12 years. That's 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 52 weeks a year for you know, 10 to 12 years, all speaking. How many words could that possibly be? I don't know, a lot. But think about it in relation to this. Jesus said, for every idle word you speak, you will give an account of it in the day of judgment. Whoa, that's scary. That's frightening. People say, I don't need Jesus Christ. I'm just fine. I haven't really done anything all that bad. Really? Wait till they start rolling the tape. I said that? Well, I don't remember saying that. Oh, yeah, and there's a lot more to come, 10 years worth. And that's for people who aren't preachers. I mean, I wonder how long preachers, uh, you know, ours is probably more like 15 to 20 years or something like that. But Paul says, for us now as God's people, let no corrupt word. The word corrupt here is a word that means rotten or rotting. It doesn't necessarily refer to profanity or what we think of as bad language, although you could include it there, but it's more degrading speech, speech, speech that tears people down. What does he say? Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification? We're to be speaking things that build people up, not tear them down. And we're to do that face-to-face -face with people. When we're speaking to people, we ought to be speaking gracious words to them, edifying words to them. But when we're talking about people, you can be uh, destroying somebody's character by gossiping about them, by talking about them behind their back, by saying things about them that aren't true, or by spreading things that you heard somebody else say that you don't really know whether they're true or not, but you haven't even stopped to think whether that might be true. And that would be the opposite of what Paul is saying here. Our speech is to build others up. You know, isn't it amazing how words are so powerful? You know, how you can say something to somebody and just, you can, 
you, you can do one of two things. You can either slay them through something you say to them, or you can actually just make them so joyful and, and happy to be alive because of, of just something you said. Proverbs 12, 18 says, there is one who speaks like the piercings of a spear, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. It's so true. It's so true. You can say things to people and th those things could cripple them for a long time. But you could say other things that will just completely bless them and completely promote their well-being. It's amazing. James, of course, talks about the power of the tongue. How this little member, how, this, how, there, how there's so much power in this little member. And, of course, he warns there against the, the spreading of, of like a wildfire through the tongue. But... Let no corrupt word proceed from your mouth. Gracious words, speech that imparts grace. And then he says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by which you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now, when he says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, obviously the things that he's talking about here are the things that will grieve the Spirit. So you see, not only do these things send a bad message to the world, not only do they create the wrong environment here in the family among God's people, but they break the heart of God. Sadden. They sadden the heart of God. You know, I said this before recently, but it's so true. You know, when you're, if you have, ever have your children at odds with each other, you know, you love your children, right? And you, you, you love all of them, but then you see them at war with each other. You see them maybe uh, divided up against each other or something like that. I don't have that with my kids, thank God, but uh, I, I know, I can just imagine what, what that's like. Um, you know, that, that is, is so grieving, so grieving to a parent. And so likewise with the Father, our Father, our Heavenly Father. He's grieved when Christians lie to each other. He's grieved when we express anger toward one another. He's grieved if we're ripping each other off. He's grieved if we're saying things that are destructive and tearing people down. And of course, if we're grieving the Spirit, then we're simultaneously hindering the Spirit from the, the blessing that he wants to bring into our lives. So do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And then he says now uh, one more thing in most of what he's been saying here is the putting off. Of course, he said, you know, don't lie, but speak the truth and don't steal, but work with your own hands. But uh, most of it is the putting off. So last of all, he says in verse 31, he says, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. So again, put these things away. Bitterness, resentment. This is all stuff that's, that's internal. The bitterness, the resentment, it's, it resides there in you. Paul says that needs to be dealt with. That needs to be taken care of. Because that bitterness will manifest itself in wrath at some point. But put away the wrath. Wrath is the, it's the explosion of anger is really the best way to describe it. Anger can be more of, of a settled state. 
but wrath is sort of the, it's like the lid blowing off. So there the, the water's boiling uh, with the anger, but then suddenly the lid blows off. And you know how it is. People are angry people. And then one day it all manifests itself in a very obvious way through this wrath, this explosion of that anger. So put all of that away. And then clamor. Clamor means, or it refers to uh, quarreling, loud quarreling. Boy, and these are things, you know, just, isn't it unpleasant when people quarrel loudly? Ever live next door to somebody who, who, you know, maybe they just fought all the time and at high volumes? And it's not troubling simply because it's noisy. It's troubling because, wow, man, the hatred and all that's flowing there, that's, it's just something that's so unpleasant to the spirit. So put these things away. And then he says, evil speaking could be translated slander. But the, the Greek word is actually the word blaspheme. And when we talk about blasphemy, we usually think of it in terms of people blaspheming God. Uh, but the, the word really simply means evil speaking. Speaking evil of people. And listen, we're living in a time where even among Christians, it's sort of like, it's like an unrestrained season almost where where I'm just noticing Christians just feel free to speak evil about anybody. And, And lots of times about fellow Christians, about Christian leaders. Well, I don't, I don't agree with this Christian leader. So then they just, you know, go on the internet and write a blog or they do a video or something and they just... Uh, they slander, they speak evil of the person. God help us, we should never be doing that sort of thing. And I see it all the time. And sometimes I shudder, I just think, wow, man, how could you ever think that that's okay with God for you to say that about one of his servants? You don't agree with his theology? He's not your servant. What uh, What is that to you? You know, oftentimes I get people telling me, hey, you need to speak out against so-and-so, and, and, you know, this guy's a false teacher, and you you need to tell people that. I don't need to do that. And then I'm evil because I won't do it, and so then I become a target. And, you know, I I just, I'm stunned, but my response to that is, who are you to judge another man's servant? That's what the Bible says. These people aren't your servants. If God told them to do this, and I'm not talking about anything that's evil or anything that's radically against scripture. I'm just talking about, you know, God told them to do something that this person thinks, well, I don't think a pastor should do that. Well, so what? Who made you the boss? Who put you in charge? Who said that you're the one that has the right take on everything? You know, but, but this is the kind of mentality that we have in the world today. Um, oh, I better move on here. <laughs> I, don't wanna, I, I could go on. I could go on on this, and then I might end up doing the very thing I'm saying not to do. So <laughs> I better be careful. <laughs> but we, we can't do this. We can't be like this. And you know, it's not just against Christians. The Bible says, speak evil of no one. 
But like I said, we're living in this time where it's sort of like a free-for-all, where people just suddenly think that I can say anything I want. I've got this platform. Maybe I've got a blog now, or I've got some way I've, I'm able to get this out. And it's the very thing Paul says not to do. It's slander, speaking evil of people. And then he adds one final thing here, and that's um, malice maliciousness. And this is the intent to do harm to somebody in some way. All of this is part of the old life. This is part of the sinful life. This is the way we used to live. Past tense. We're no longer to live this way anymore. This is the putting off. But now he comes to the putting on. And what does he say? He says, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Be imitators of God as dear children. Walk in love as Christ also loved us. Be kind. Oh, that's a novel idea, isn't it? To be kind. You know, the Greek word here is an interesting word. The word is Christos. Jesus is the Christos. So the word translated kind and the word translated Christ sound very similar and actually look very similar when they're spelled out. And for the early Christians, they made a connection between those two things. They made the connection that Christ is kind. And of course he was. We need to make that same connection. Christians are kind. At least we should be. We are to be People who display to others kindness and tenderheartedness, not hard-heartedness, tenderheartedness. And the word here could be translated compassion. Is that how people see us? Is that how we relate to one another? Are we kind to each other? Are we compassionate toward one another? And then he adds forgiving one another. And this one, a literal translation is this acting in grace toward one another. I like that even better than forgiving one another. Because forgiving one another, I mean, we hear that so often, it's almost like, yeah, yeah, forgive, right, right, I heard. But, but this is what it's actually saying, acting in grace toward one another. Showing grace to people. Now, I know at the end of the day, what I want God to do for me is I want him to be gracious to me. I want him to show grace to me. And I think you probably do as well. So we're supposed to do that same thing for each other. We're to show grace toward one another. And as he goes on, and of course he says, even as God in Christ forgave you, we're to show people the same kind of grace that God has shown to us. That's the thing. God has shown us his grace. He's poured out his mercy upon us. He's forgiven our sins. Not because we deserved any of this. Oftentimes we hold on to somebody and we say, well, they don't deserve me uh, to you know, be kind to them. No, they don't. That's where grace comes in because you don't deserve the kindness of God. Neither do I, but he's kind to us. And so then being imitators of God as dear children, how does God treat his enemies? Oh man, he treats them so well. Isn't that amazing? Most of the planet, uh, most people on the planet are the enemies of God. But look how well he takes care of everybody. Look how much he blesses us. Look how good he is. 
So be imitators of God as his dear children. And here's the kicker, finally, walk in love. What's that look like? As Christ loved us. Walk in love as Christ loved us. How did Christ love us? Greater love has no one than this than to lay down his life for his friends. Jesus loved us right to the point of giving up his life for us. And you see, it's when we are putting off all those old things that we talked about, and we're putting on these things, this is where the body of Christ flourishes, and this is where the world looks on and says, you know, those Christians got something going over there. I'm, I, I think I need to check that out. But if they don't see anything different with us, then they're not going to bother to come around. And so God help us. In closing, remember this. All these things we are told to do, the putting off of the old man and the putting on of the new man are not to make us Christians, but to show to ourselves and the world that we are Christians, sons and daughters of God. You see, this doesn't make. Paul's not saying, do this so you can be a Christian. Paul's saying, do this because you are a Christian. He's not saying, do this so you can become a new man. He's saying, do this because you are a new man. And women are included. A new man or woman. You're a new person in Christ. And this is the way the new person in Christ behaves. So I'm going to close with a quote from C.S. Lewis. And I love this, and I think it connects well with what we're saying here today. He said, God became a man to turn creatures into sons, not simply to produce better men of the old kind, but to produce a new kind of man. It is not like teaching a horse to jump better and better, but like turning a horse into a winged creature. Of course, once it has got its wings, it will soar over fences which could never have been jumped and thus beat the natural horse at its own game. That's so good. It's so true. See, God's not saying, come on, come on, do better. Come on, come on, come on, keep on. You can jump higher than that, come on. He's not doing that. He says, here, take these wings and soar above these things. That's what we can do. That's what we've been able to, in, in able to do. That's what it means. Put on the new man. Live in the spirit. Live in the power of the spirit. You say, but gosh, what about these lies? You know, I've been telling lies for so long, or you know, I've been angry for so long. You know what? Listen, stop it. You're saying, well, I, I don't, I can't. You can. You can stop because Christ is in you. If Christ wasn't in you, I would sympathize. I would say, you know what? You're right. You can't. But you've been given wings. You can soar by the power of the Spirit. You just come to Jesus and say, Lord, uh, you know this anger. You know this tendency toward dishonesty and deceit. Uh, Lord, you know my mouth is, I, I say things that hurt people. Lord, I don't, this, this is all part of the old man. That's dead. Help me to live in the newness of the Spirit, and He will do that.
For the month of December, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled Finding the Right Hills to Die On by Gavin Ortland. The world is divided over issues like race, gender, sexuality, and health. But there are even greater divisions in the church, divisions over doctrines. But how as we as Christians move past doctrinal divisions in an effort to maintain unity, but without compromising the essential truths of Scripture? Well, in his book, Finding the Right Hills to Die On, Gavin Ortland provides a guide to help you prioritize doctrine according to four different ranks along a spectrum of doctrinal importance. This book will challenge you to consider the balance between faithfulness to God's Word and the need for Christian unity. If you want to be as effective as possible at advancing the gospel in our time, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order Finding the Right Hills to Die On by Gavin Ortland. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Ephesians. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.